My name is John Lewis, work with Rockwell Automation. I'm the Director of Business Partnering in our Global Business Development Group. Welcome to the African Tech Roundup. Thank you. Uh, tell me a little bit about Rockwell. It's on one hand ubiquitous in in the sense that uh, you, you run the kind of business that can claim to be the biggest in the world at dot, dot, dot. And yet, at the same time, not quite, let's say, from a branding perspective, at least on the consumer level, an Apple. Uh, clearly. Set my audience straight on, on who the heck you are. Okay. Well, Rockwell Automation is the world's largest company dedicated solely to factory automation. So by that, we help people who make equipment. We automate that equipment. So when you hit the, the green go button, something positive happens. Machinery starts. Things happen. We control all the decisions and all the motors that are on that kind of equipment. We also would control the process. If you're baking something or, or, or brewing something, we would be the people making all of those control decisions. A century ago, all of that would have been people. Uh, it still often is people, but the people have been uh, uh, the decisions. Rather than sit there in time uh, and kind of look at a temperature dial, that's done for them. They're still typically operators. I think you know where I'm going, right? <laughs> and so um, isn't that the concern um, Well, on a, on a basic level that the business you're in is in the business of helping companies work out how they don't need people anymore or how they shouldn't need people anymore and how... Uh, machinery and increasingly robots and, and, and machine learning even further um, will do a better job than any human could ever have done. So how do you navigate that world in the context of people who feel that way and, of course, businesses who you partner with who obviously love that you bring efficiencies to their business? Well, as I said, it's there's no such thing as a lights out, no humans involved uh, manufacturing operation. And I've seen many, many factories. What I think is happening, though, is things that are very onerous for people to do, unsafe for people to do, or very drudgery kind of things are being eliminated. Things that are hard for people to repeat on and do consistently are being eliminated. But what happens is for every one of those jobs that gets eliminated, Maybe not one for one, but there are other jobs that require different and more unique skills being created. You have to maintain that equipment. That equipment doesn't run forever by itself. You have to be able to program that equipment. You have to be able to install and integrate. So there are many higher tech jobs being created through the automation cycle. And in terms of your market share worldwide, how much of your business actually comes out of the developing world, specific to this case, Africa? Uh, in Africa, uh, very little out of sub-Saharan Africa, oil and gas off the, the West Coast. There's clearly uh, business that we have there. And we do very well in mining in South Africa. What do you find as a limiting factor in terms of your growth as a company in sub-Saharan Africa? Uh, once again, it's typically people. Uh, the way we uh, had our significant growth in, uh, in the South African market was we purchased a company, Hyprom, which was very successful. We've grown that company in South Africa. In fact, it's our mining competency expert, our center of excellence globally being run out of South Africa. Is that typically your strategy in terms of growth and in terms of growing competencies or roping in competencies into your business? In a developing market, oftentimes it's, it's much easier to go in, find some people who are doing the right kinds of things locally. If it makes sense, purchase that company uh, and integrate them, and then take what they, their knowledge, their domain expertise, and if it's replicable around the world, figure out how to replicate it, 
or in the case of, of what we do with uh, with South Africa, there's so much mining projects and activity going there, we just have them do that for many other locations in the world. As a percentage of what you do in terms of delivering solutions, how much of percentage-wise roughly, how much of what you deliver in terms of output is a software delivery and, and how much of it would be would be something tangible? Uh, products, hard, hardware-based products is probably 70% of, of what we deliver. Solutions, engineering services is probably another 20%. Software is about 10 but that is shifting, and it's shifting away from the hardware and more towards the solutions, uh, services, and, uh, and software. Tell me why and, and what that's starting to look like, and, and maybe even from an organizational behavior or organizational profile point of view, how is that changing your business? Well, it comes back to that skill set issue that, w- that I mentioned earlier. We are growing that people side of our business. Those services and solutions require a lot of people to implement. And so those require skill sets that oftentimes, uh, you know, require some advanced uh, degrees or technical training of some sort. But uh, that's the fastest growing and, and we need those people. They need to be where the projects are or close to where the projects are and they need to have the competencies to add the value for those projects. And so give me a sense of how that's changed, say, the culture of your organization. I mean, this shift. Uh, I've asked this question to you know executives at SAP, for example, who themselves have, have encountered an interesting dynamic in terms of uh, you know tech talent that they've had to sort of onboard and cater to culturally in a way perhaps that they never had to before, given their you know their their profile. Well, I think if you went back to when I started the company, which is quite a while ago, um, we were almost 100% hardware. And the concept of service then was, oh, something broke, go out and replace it. Uh, Over time, the concept of service grew to what let us help you implement it, let us help you engineer it. And that became a chargeable item, which culturally was a a very big shock. Sometimes people going, wait, you're charging me to, to do this? But what happened is they found out that having a, a very competent expert was more efficient than having maybe somebody who wasn't as competent spending twice the amount of time doing that. So that part has changed significantly. And we're seeing more and more people say, I can't do everything myself. I need to find partners to help me. And I need to find people who have the skill sets to do it efficiently. And that's where we think as a control company, we'll have the best control people in the world that our customers can utilize as part of a service model there's either a sense of euphoria or a sense of panic within incumbents in any industry today because I think there's an unprecedented uh, rise in disruptive forces in the form of uh, companies, big companies often in other sectors who aren't content to stay in their lane, right? And I'm curious to know how you think about that at, at your organization and how you go about deciding who to partner with to deliver solutions perhaps you can't do on your own and and if if and when that's ever a limiting factor or uh, m- makes for interesting chit-chat in, in your boardrooms? Well, first of all, I don't sit in our boardroom, so I don't know about that chit-chat. Well, I'm sure you, you're you on to the grapevine still. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. Um, what, I, what I think is you always have to keep your eye open for disruptive technologies. And we heard yesterday from, uh, I think it was Chuck Robbins, who said six guys in a garage in San Jose who, who are going to put you out of business. Um, you know, I'm sure taxi drivers didn't see Uber coming. Um, 
but you know, do we wake up every morning feeling like, oh, we're 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 doomed? No, I, I wouldn't say it's the the sense of doom. Euphoria, no, it's it is a, a challenge every day because you have to continue to improve the value you offer customers, and you have to continue to improve what you bring to them to help them do their job better. Because at the end of the day, our customers aren't interested in automation so much as they are in in bottling Coca-Cola or brewing beer or making a car. That's what they do. They just have to use us as a technology and a partner to do that more efficiently. And how's your business development cycle changed given, you know, your the shift in focus? Uh, has it become a little easier? Have the conversations when you interact with clients and assess their needs or hear from them have have those interactions changed and if so what in what way? Yes, what what happened is you used to be able to hire people and train them on your products and they could go out and do a very good job. Now customers are very interested in a business outcome for their business. That's harder to train because it's their business at the end of the day. So what we find is we have to get people who have domain expertise in certain areas and can speak the language of the customers to drive business outcomes. And that typically is being able to do something better, more efficiently, more profitably at the end of the day, which does keep them in business and keep them employing other people. So this is... Uh, the perfect segue to talk about the Internet of Things as a broader trend within the context of helping people do things better. Draw a straight line between adopting IoT and how you know some of the, the customers you've described would would gain from from you know jumping on the trend. Okay, a straight line. Um, if you can, I, I was going to say that's probably the biggest challenge. What I think we're seeing though is coming back to that issue of the people are doing something else. They're making tires, cars, Coca-Cola, you know, whatever, food. Um, and it is a global economy. They are looking to do that more efficiently. They are looking to do that at a lower total cost. And one of the trends, the macro trends, is the people coming into the middle class is expanding. And that's that's happening in the developing countries faster than anywhere else in the world. And so to do that, uh, what we're finding is we have to make customers more productive. And the easiest way to do that is to better understand what they're currently doing. That takes data. That data comes from all of those things that we're connecting. So that's the, the easiest answer, I think, is to say that the data is, is critical because what it gives is visibility into what they're currently doing and helps them drive to a better business outcome. And how much of that do you think is a, a solution ch chasing a problem? Um, I think the proof is it, it's not. It, it is very much a solution that's needed uh, if they're going to continue to grow and expand. And, and it can be something as simple as clean water, you know, in a developing area because having a package of Kraft macaroni and cheese makes no sense if I can't cook it in clean water or drink clean water. So we also work on water treatment and, and how do we, you know, start with something as basic as clean water, which is critical. And how do you go about deciding which sector to focus on? Uh, what's typical sort of low-hanging fruit in terms of, hey, these are use cases. We think this is the most potential. Let's go after that. And how do you come to that? Well, you have to look at the market very carefully and see what is there, what is indigenous. Because coming into a market uh, that doesn't have mines with a mining solution is, is stupid <laughs> at the end of the day. Uh, you know, So we're, we're always going to look at what is in the market. And the thing that's most ubiquitous is consumer. There are people. So if there are people, they're going to need clean water. There's probably wastewater to be treated. 
then there's things like pharmaceuticals and food and, and beverages that, that you can provide. So it, it is around what is the market and what do they do. I mean, if it's an agricultural market, maybe it's, it's irrigation systems. If it's a, uh, you know, uh, mining or oil and gas, we have to figure out how to do that uh, more effectively. Interesting statistic from the Cisco research that's, you know, that they did around IoT, and they found in their respondents 26% of IoT projects in the market had been successfully completed. Therefore, 74% were not. Um, speak to that. First of all, without uh, uh, more data, I, I can really say what's going on. But a lot of it, I think, is people are in a new area. They're trying new things. You are going to fail faster. That's just, that's just life. You learn from that. That's what's important is learn of the 74% who didn't end successfully, why? And can I make that number, and I think Rowan Trollope said this morning, can I come back next year and see that be 35%, see it be 45 the year after that? That's progress. That's, that's what we need to do is show progress. And uh, the fact that it's 26%, I don't see that as problematic. This is a space nobody's been in before. So we are going to experiment, fail, and then learn from that. And so finally, in terms of mindset, speak to um, an executive resource in, in any one of your, your, your clients, you know, who, who's responsible for digital transformation or at least responsible for integrating digital advancements to, to, you know, to have awesome business outcomes. Speak to the mindset that person ought to have, in a healthy mindset that that person ought to have with regards to IoT and how to, to bring it online in their, in their context. Okay. I think the, the key is, can you operate more efficiently if you had better visibility into your operations? And I think most people would say, absolutely, I, I don't know what I don't know. So, you know, having no visibility is, is a hindrance. So I think that's the, the, the promise of IoT is bringing that clarity and that visibility, kind of like your eyeglasses. They help you see things more clearly which allows you to do things better at the end of the day. That's what it's all about is doing things better. And I can't do that if I can't see it. Oh, here's to doing things better. Thank you so much, John Lewis. Thank you.